episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast is sponsored by the Keep It Real Challenge. If you want to learn my process for how I record and edit a month of reels in one hour, that's exactly what I'm going to be covering in the Keep It Real Challenge. This is something that I do all the time. So over a five-day period, I'm going to be taking you through my process of research, planning, finding my audio, setting my goals, choosing outfits, everything, recording and editing, everything that you need to know about creating Reels is gonna be in that challenge because I don't know if you've heard, but Reels is the new wave on Instagram and it's a surefire way to increase your visibility and engagement on the platform. So if you haven't been doing Reels, you definitely wanna jump on the bandwagon, okay? And at the end of the Keep It Real Challenge, you have the opportunity to enter the Keep It Real bonus where you have the chance to win $100 for creating a reel, okay? So all of the details are gonna be inside of the challenge. I don't wanna give away too much information, but what you need to do right now, if you're interested, is text me at 202-519-4652. Text me the words challenge accepted if you want more information on how to enter that challenge when details are dropped. You'll be the first to know, okay? I hope to see you in the Keep It Real Challenge. Now, let's get back to the episode. That um, you know, images everything. You know, and, and as a brand, like my presence is consistent. I think for some people, it may feel it may be pressure because you have not realized your power in, in, in your presence. But I understand my power and my presence. So no, you probably won't see me, you know, looking, you know, like I just rolled out of bed. That's just not my aesthetic, and it's not my brand. I represent excellence. I represent, you know, my brand. I represent, you know, what it means, um, you know, to to show up and and be a face of your business and of your industry. If I work in beauty, then I should be represent beauty, you know, and that's what I do. And so I take that very seriously. So it's definitely not pressure. It is a duty to represent myself and, and the industry to the best of my ability. Welcome to the Friends in Beauty podcast, a safe space for ambitious beauty industry creatives to have real talk, get real answers and practical tools to grow their businesses. My name is Aquia Robinson, and I'm a makeup artist, beauty educator, and the creator of Friends in Beauty. I created Friends in Beauty to support like-minded creatives, just like you, on their quest to connect, network, and build genuine relationships within the beauty community. Join me every week as me and my special guests reveal the keys to success and longevity in the beauty industry, and most importantly, have fun while doing it. You ready? Hey, what's up? It's your best friend in beauty, Aquia Robinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast. I am so happy to have you here with me, and I hope you're listening to this episode in high spirits and in good health. If you are a friend in beauty, I welcome you to join the Friends in Beauty Facebook community. If you're looking for a community of like-minded, ambitious friends in beauty to virtually connect with, network, and share resources, then click the link down below in the show description to join our community. And I'll be there to welcome you with open arms. Also, follow Friends in Beauty on all social media platforms at Friends in Beauty. What I like to do is something called the Friends in Beauty Friday feature, where every Friday I spotlight a different friend in beauty and their accomplishments. So no matter how big or small you think it is, I want to shout you out. I want to send you some good vibes. So all you have to do is use the hashtag FIB Friday feature, tag Friends in Beauty on something that you have accomplished, and I'll share it with the community. Additionally, 
The Friends and Beauty podcast is available on several platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google, YouTube, you name it. And whatever platform you are listening from right now, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning into the Friends and Beauty podcast. I truly appreciate you so much. And I would love it even further if you took the time to leave a five-star rating, a review, a comment, a like, a share, a subscribe, a something to let me know how you feel about the Friends and Beauty podcast. I would absolutely love it. And also, I have to tell you that you should join the Friends and Beauty mailing list tribe if you haven't already because they are the first to know about all things Friends and Beauty and I send out different business resources, tips, and advice throughout the week. So if that's something that you're interested in, the link for that will be in the description as well. And last but not least, the most important thing is to share the Friends and Beauty podcast with your other Friends and Beauty, your family, your friends, anybody that you think could benefit from the information that is being shared Share, share, share a way to help me grow the Friends and Beauty community. Now, on this episode of the Friends and Beauty podcast, I welcome the founder of Shift Beauty Consulting Agency, Melissa Hibbert, to the Friends and Beauty guest chair. Melissa is a former corporate marketing executive turned beauty entrepreneur, a natural business evolution for her, combining a successful background in multicultural advertising brand and product, and entertainment marketing with her immense passion for beauty. Melissa has always wanted women to feel empowered in their beauty. To accomplish that, she has built a remarkable career as a go-to beauty expert in film and television and took a strategic pivot to become a beauty brand consultant to established and emerging brands. Shift Beauty was created from Melissa's intentions to create a lasting change, to make an impact, and to help the beauty industry move or shift into more diverse and inclusive space while also providing access to brands and beauty founders who are often underserved. Melissa is an advisor, mentor, and tech investor, but most importantly, she is a mother to her beautiful and vibrant daughter, Milan. And one more thing, she has a penchant for wearing red lipstick, collecting books, visits to vineyards, listening to reggae music, and frequent visits to the spa. Melissa serves on the board of directors for The Art of True Light, Inc. She is also a tech investor to Streamlytics and a proud supporter of award winner Beautiful Spirited Women, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering and advocating for girls. I had such an amazing chat with Melissa. In this interview, she shares how she merged her love of marketing and beauty to create Shift Beauty, why it's important for her to support underserved beauty brands of color, where most creatives go wrong with their marketing efforts, how networking plays a role in her business, how she balances motherhood, being a businesswoman and self-care, and so much more. So let's go ahead and jump into this amazing chat with Melissa. And if you prefer to watch our beautiful faces, then tune in on YouTube. Enjoy. Welcome to the Friends and Beauty Podcast, Melissa. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. I'm <laughs> so, so excited to have you. Like I was just sharing with you, I've been following you on social media for years. So this is truly like a treat for me to be able to, you know, sit down and talk to you today. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. So before we jump into the interview, I would love to just start off with some icebreakers to just get us warmed up. And I always say just to have the audience get to know you a little bit outside of the world of beauty. So the okay. first one, just give us three random facts about you. Oh, okay. Random facts. Um, hmm, I collect books. It's one of my favorite things to do. I have a dream of having uh, my own home-built 
library. Um, so that's definitely on that vision board of mine. Um, I, you know, I, I love, I'm, I'm, I love to get pampered. So I'm like at the spa often. Okay. <laughs> And I love the outdoors. Like I'm, I'm an outdoors girl. I was born in Jamaica, so I'm used to nature. So I love to get out and um, and enjoy Mother Nature as much as possible. That is so cool because I just took off my Jamaican flag that was laying down my edges. Uh-oh. <laughs> my father's from Trelawney, so I have my little flag. Okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Well, your edges are laid, so mission accomplished. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So I have these things called um, pod decks. And like random crazy questions in here, but one is a what the heck deck and one is a would you rather deck. Which one would you like me to pull a random question for you? Uh, What the heck is good? What the heck? Yeah. Okay. We haven't gotten that one in a while. Okay. Random card. Uh oh. (laughs) This is kind of cool. It says, what's the scariest sound you can hear in the middle of the night? Oh gosh, definitely a scream. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a woman's scream. Right. And you know that's the type never of good. Thing. Right. It's never good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. What is something weird or interesting that you do when no one is watching? Mm-hmm. Weird or interesting that I do when no one's watching. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I have a daughter. She's four. And we do a lot of dancing together. We'll turn on YouTube and she's got these little girls on YouTube and we literally have a full on dance session. Um, Just she and I, I never put that on social media, but it is just she and I getting down, dancing and just enjoying each other. So I love that. And I'm not that great of a dancer, which is probably why I don't put it on social media. But for her, I'm like the greatest thing. And she, um, it just gives an opportunity to, to bond. I absolutely love that. Oh my gosh. What do people always tell you that you're good at aside from what you do professionally? Mm. Well, they definitely can't say I'm good at cooking. So we know that's out <laughs> of the question. <laughs> um, outside of my profession, I, you know, I don't know. I think that they, I think I get compliments all the time. Just, I'm always just, looking out for people. Like if I, if I see something, you know, and I know somebody wants or needs something, I'm like always looking out. So I get those kinds of, you know, I actually got a few this morning. Like, I just want you to know, I know you're tired of hearing this, but I appreciate you, you know? So it's just like, I'm just always looking out. I love that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, do you travel often? Well, in these COVID streets, um, but prior to COVID, yes. Yeah. What's your favorite place that you travel to? Favorite place I've traveled to is St. Bart's. Oh, Lord. Um, okay. One of the most magnificent experiences of my life. Beautiful island, just rich on every level. And uh-huh. I was here for all of it. Yes, all the <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. If you weren't a makeup artist or the CEO of Shift Beauty, what else could you see yourself doing? Oh, God. So it's two things. And it has nothing to do with each other, mm-hmm. but I would be, um, I'd be able to sing like Whitney Houston in another life. Uh, I always say that, you know, that would be my thing. Like I'd be a combination of like Whitney Houston and Anita Baker, both of them. I absolutely adore their voices are spectacular. It's just something unique and powerful. So I'd be like a singer entertainer. The other side, I'd be a lawyer. Like 
that's what I thought I was going to do. I majored in pre-law college. Uh, LSAT had other plans for me. Uh, so I kind of, you know, retreated and focused on marketing, which I'm not mad that I did, but I'd either be a world um, class R&B diva or a high powered entertainment attorney. Hey, I love it. Both are <laughs> still powerful. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I would love to know what led you into beauty. So you said you mentioned marketing. So marketing came first and then beauty? No, beauty always came first. Okay. Uh, when I was a teenager, in fact, um, I just, you know, fell in love with the power of beauty after I uh, would say taking, but, you know, I know I stole my mom's lipstick out of her purse, took it on the bus, school <laughs> bus with it. me. You borrowed it. I it. Yes. Um, and I wore it all day, you know, and I remember just the attention and the compliments and the, and also the inspiration that other girls felt like, oh, wow, you know, they're wearing lip gloss and I'm wearing this bold red lipstick. And it was just that moment of just the conversation around it. Um, you know, me being a brown girl and standing out when, you know, in the eighties, you know, well, this is what, what early nineties, you know, brown girls weren't in, right. You know, yeah. we just, let's be real. We just, there's always that question of, you know, pretty for a dark skinned girl and, you know, to be wearing a color that allowed me to stand out even more, uh, wasn't a powerful, was an empower, empowering moment. And yeah. so while in beauty school, my friends and I also enrolled while in high school, my friends and I also enrolled in beauty school. Nice. So we were in high school, um, during the week and beauty school on the weekends and, you know, it was there that I cultivated my desire to um, to master beauty on all levels. However, I chose not to continue beauty as a profession after high school. I wanted the college experience. Mm -hmm. So I enrolled in, um, in HBCU. I attended the illustrious Fisk University. And, uh, but even, even while in college, I, I found an abandoned salon and I was doing hair and makeup in that salon while in college. So it was, it's always been a part of me, even in corporate America, I snuck around doing beauty. And when it was time for me to really just, you know, what I call the shift, you know, step into that area that required was calling more creativity for me. I went right back to beauty after 14 years in, in corporate marketing. Wow. Oh my gosh. So when you came here from Jamaica, where did you um, grow up? Where did you Right here in Los Angeles, nice. right here in Los Angeles. We landed here uh, in LA and we lived here until the late early 90s and then moved up to Oregon, Portland, Oregon. Awesome. Awesome. So that whole corporate stint that you had, how does that play a role in what you do, like what you were doing as a makeup artist? You know, for me, the the role, the idea to walk away from a corporate career, a six figure lifestyle, you know, and all of the titles that came with it was very strategic. It was for me an opportunity to to pivot in a way that um, ultimately ultimately um, design the kind of life and business that I would want. I could not get the opportunity to do what I'm doing here and now while working in corporate America. I pitched and I, you know, I even presented opportunities for me to, you know, be a marketing professional, work on beauty accounts and do the different things. And it just, you know, I had some small-minded HR people and, and managers who couldn't understand the vision. So I had to step away yeah. and carve it out this way. And the best thing for me to do was navigate the industry as an artist and as a competent um, 
you know, and professional artists Mm -hmm. build, you know, those relationships do great work. I've always believed no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm back in employers, I'm going to do, you know, do it with a spirit of excellence. And so, um, and that's what I did. And so the idea of being a makeup artist coming from corporate America was incredibly strategic to get to the point now where I'm able to, you know, run a beauty marketing agency and work across the board. And so I'm both creative directing as well as, you know, you know, brand management simultaneously. I could not have done this with a job description. I had to create the job description and run it as a business. Right, right. Oh my gosh. How have you seen the beauty industry change over the years that you've been in it, like good, bad, mm-hmm. or like indifferent? You know, I think when I came into it, I left corporate America in 2012. So I came into it at a time where, you know, social media was far more, uh, you know, pervasive. And, um, you know, you had a lot of people now being fascinated with the industry as much as I was as well. I uh, came into an, a, you know, a, an, an environment that was highly competitive. I mean, you know, Los Angeles, where yeah. you know you have some of the most amazing and um, talented veteran makeup artists um, that have spent a lot of time, you know, growing their business here. And so, I was sort of stepping into that space and trying to carve out a space of my own. And I did that in my way, but I also saw that a lot of other people did it through the means of blogging. I mean, um, you know, doing video blogs and, you know, as influencers and those kinds of things. And that was fine. But I also saw that there was also sort of a, you know, less of a focus on quality more than quantity. Right. And so I saw a lot of people rushing to get into the industry, but did not have a business mindset and did not see themselves as a business. So they made a lot of mistakes. And so that was for me, the advantage that I came from a corporate background. I came from a lot of discipline. I have a bachelor's and a master's degree. So I'm not the, I wasn't the average makeup artist. Right. Um, And so, you know, the, um, so it has changed in terms of the low barrier to entry to become a beauty professional um, is real in terms of, you can say tomorrow, I want to be a makeup artist and go buy products, get a kit, and now you can, you know, get a client and now you're a makeup artist. Right. And so, but there's a ton, there's a lot more that goes into creating a business and a brand. And so I've seen it change where I think people are becoming more aware of that. And I think COVID has also changed that, you know, as well. You're no longer in demand. It's sort of like, I mean, you're no longer, um, you know, you're more in demand now because clients really want to work with people who understand both the business and the artistry side of the industry. Right. Where do you see most creatives drop the ball when it comes to the business side? Because we just want to be creative. We just want to paint faces or do hair and everything. Um, Where do you see them drop the ball the most? I think tremendously just a lack of understanding about how to see themselves as a business, setting themselves up as a business entity and a structure, protecting themselves in terms of, you know, liability when it comes to, you know, insurance and even insuring your kit. I've seen so many makeup artists post on Instagram, oh, my kit was stolen from my trunk, yeah. you know, and it's and they go do these GoFundMe campaigns. And, you know, what if you had, if you had, you know, insurance that would have been covered but so there's just those those areas and then the marketing piece I think that 
you're more than just an artist, you're a brand in terms of you have a skill and a talent that the world wants to see. So I always say, I tell makeup artists, like, don't just feel like you're just the person behind the scenes. You're creating moments for people to show up, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to either. And I think that there's sometimes that mentality that um, I need to be seen and not heard or seen and not seen, you know what I mean? In terms of I can show up with a client, but you know, let me, let me, let me just fall back in the background, which is completely fine, but you're not with the client all the time. What do you do in your own personal time with your own personal brand? What are you doing to build and cultivate that? What other streams of income as a professional, as a makeup artist or a beauty professional are you looking at? Mm-hmm. What makes sense for you? You know, all those things. What, what, are, what are brand partnership opportunities? How can you leverage your talent to, to be on camera? You know, what kind of courses can you create? You know, yeah. what kind of products can you get into? Like, it's a, it's a ton of ways, but I just think that um, even, even down to paperwork management, you know, mm-hmm. um, making sure your contracts are right, you know, knowing how to um, respond to invoices and, and, and push those through, you know, all the things that, um, <laughs> that business <laughs> requires. I think a lot of times creatives just like, I don't want to deal with any of that. Like, yeah. it's just not what I want to deal with. But I think that it's important and vital for you to know your business better than anyone else. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned um, stepping from behind the scenes, because mm-hmm. that's one thing I wanted to ask you was basically any tips that you have for those makeup artists that do want to step from behind the brushes and be more of a face, like of a brand or collaborate with, collaborate with brands and do correspondent work and, you know, speak on their behalf. Like, how would they go about doing something like that? Yeah, just do it. You have to get in front of the camera and it doesn't necessarily mean it have to, it has to be that camera, that strategic moment where this brand wants to work with you. Start small, work with what you have. We all have iPhones or for the, God forbid, those who have Androids, um, you, <laughs> you know, you start to use what you have. Show up on camp so you can get more comfortable with that. Do, mm-hmm. do reviews, do product reviews. What's in your kit? What did you learn today on set? You know, create your own YouTube channel, create your own. I used to, I used to create um, this show called, uh, you know, behind the glam. And then I had another one called glam style. These are just my own little, you know, content that I developed and curated and put out there just to show myself in front of the camera, show my skill set and my knowledge. So I would say that it starts with you being control of how you put that out there and then you'll start to get eyeballs. And then you can then, once you start to reach out, say, hey, this is what I look like on camera. This is how I articulate. This is how, you know, this is my brand knowledge and my product knowledge would love to work with you, but you have, if you have nothing to show, right? then they have nothing to, to, to buy into. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. Do you ever feel like pressure to always be on like, you know, hair, makeup? Do you ever feel like, okay, I could just show up with, you know, no glam and just be fine. Or do you have to always, you know, but you never look I, bad. You mean, you, always you mean when like, I'm working? You mean when I'm working? When you're working or just like showing up on like social media? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe that, um, you know, image is everything, you know, and, and as a brand, like my, my presence is consistent. I think for some people it may feel, it may be pressure because you have not realized your power in, in, in your presence, but I understand my power in my presence. So no, you probably won't see me, you know, looking, you know, like I just rolled out of bed. That's just not my aesthetic and it's not my brand. I represent excellence. I represent, you know, my brand, I represent, you know, what it means, um, you know, to, to show up and, and be a face of your business and of your industry. If I work in beauty, then I should be represent beauty, you know, and that's what I do. And so I take that very seriously. So it's definitely not pressure. It is a duty to represent myself and, and the industry to the best of my ability. 
I love that. Yes. I love the way you explained that. I would love to talk about shift beauty and how that came about. Was it from your love of marketing and beauty and just, you know, you were able to finally combine it in your own way? Yes, it's the perfect intersection. Like I said, it's the job that I created the business based on the job description I wish that I always had, you know, and for me, Mark, I am, I am a, uh, I have a great marketing brain. You know, I'm very, I was very clear about that when I worked in corporate America. There were many brands and, 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 and certainly bosses that benefited from, from my brain. And I get it. Like for me, that's what I was born to do. And so when I entered beauty and I, my heart is passionate about beauty, but I didn't want to leave, you know, the business side of marketing behind. I needed to find a way to marry the two. And mm-hmm. the only way to do that was to, again, create a business that was a reflection of both worlds. And both of those worlds are dynamic enough to, you know, help um, move the industry forward as well as support brands as they continue to thrive and grow. Nice. What are the criteria for a certain brand to be accepted on your roster? What are you looking for? Well, you know, Shift Beauty, so my company, I had the Glam Agency prior, so that could be what you're referring to. So the Glam Agency was uh, an agency that I created um, that was sort of a broker for talent, between talent and production, Mm -hmm. to getting them jobs and working in film and television. And for a long time, it worked. I, I was able to put a lot of, you know, makeup artists, you know, on my roster and get them jobs and get them paid working on TV shows and in environments that allow them to grow, you know, as artists and also make a living doing what they love to do. So the Glam Agency for me was, was great for five years. I think the pandemic was a lot, was what pivoted me to Mm -hmm. shift beauty because I needed to get out of I could no longer do business the way that I was doing it with the Glam Agency, just simply for a lot of reasons, from a liability standpoint, to the fact that the industry was just changing. For seven months, there were no jobs, you know, in beauty, in terms of, you know, um, on production or on set, because everything was shut down. So I wanted to look at long term. If this ever happened again, I would not be in a position where I could not make a living and do what I love. And so the it, it amplified my desire to really create this intersectionality of beauty and marketing so that I know that there are always going to be products out there. There are always going to be brands out there that need my expertise. There may not always be people whose faces I can you know, do makeup on, mm-hmm. but there's always brands. And so I wanted to be in a position of power um, with, you know, creating this new business. Absolutely. I saw that you just started working with Inzuri Beauty. They took you on yes. as the lead global marketing, of lead yeah. of global marketing. They're mm-hmm. actually a, um, a podcast alum. I had Keisha on the, um, oh, nice. on the show. Yes. Yeah. So That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, Keisha's great. You know, um, I got connected with her through another mutual friend and, uh, you know, prior to the holidays and, you know, we met, she came all the way here to LA from Bermuda. Nice. And um, yeah, we had a great connection and such an amazing luxury skincare brand for someone like Keisha to um, have you know, really a background in finance, but found her way to beauty and created such a, a beautiful luxury brand, um, highly effective performance brand, the great branding and packaging and this, the work and the quality that she puts into it. It was absolutely like a thrill to, to partner with her and to help up head up global marketing for her brand. Yes. What exactly does that mean? Like global marketing, bringing well, it to because, the world? Yeah. Bringing it to the world. You know, Enziri Beauty is based in Bermuda. 
Yes. So, you know, it's a it's a brand that is is inspired by the luxury uh, of Bermuda, but it's a brand for the world. So we want to be able to move it around the globe in a deserving manner. And so the there are a lot of ways that we're doing that. Um, but with the brand still being new, she just launched last year. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of work to, to do. Um, so in order to reach sort of that global scale, you know, my job is to, to help her navigate um, that, that, that growth, that growth process. Nice. Is mm-hmm. there anything that you feel like you're able to do differently um, operating your own marketing firm that you weren't able to do when you were in corporate America, as far as, I guess, the way that they may market to people of color versus people that are not of color? Yeah, you know, I can be more of an advocate without the politics. You know, when I worked with in corporate America, there were, you know, if I worked on the agency side, I couldn't work with another brand because the agency didn't represent that brand or I couldn't bring it to the table, um, you know, if 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 there weren't an opportunity to, you know, actually acquire that brand for the business. If I worked in television, uh, when I worked in television, if that brand was not an advertiser, you know, or didn't have the means to advertise on that network because of cost you know, usually, um, that I could not, then it, it was never an option. Now I don't have to worry about those. I don't have to ask anyone anything. I, you know, I don't have to ask for permission. You know, I just get noticed, like, this is what we're doing, you know? And also, I also have an opportunity to advocate, advocate for them from the standpoint of, you know, a lot of the brands that I represent are black female founded brands. We know that they're in the most overlooked, underrepresented and underfunded, you know, segment of, you know, of all. So my job is to also to be an advocate and an ally for them in spaces and places that matter. So creating equity for, for brand founders to, you know, to, to show up and have a space and a place in beauty um, so that they can, you know, a lot of these women are spending their, their, their last, you know, their savings. A lot of them are working full-time jobs just to fund their dream. They want to create a legacy, like they deserve what everyone else is able to, um, you know, to enjoy. And so I'm just stepping in the gap um, as an ally and an advocate for that uh, in a way that it means that I don't need to ask anyone to do so. I do it because that's a part of my business model. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Where do you see most balls? I mean, I say most balls. Where do you see most brands? I guess when they come to you for marketing, where have they struggled or thought that they were they were doing marketing, but they weren't really you know doing anything <laughs> at all? Like, what do you see most yeah. people go wrong with their marketing efforts? They go wrong because they never had one in the beginning. They never had a marketing plan in the beginning. Um, most creatives and most brand founders go from idea to execution right away. They're like, oh, I want to develop a hair oil. Let me develop it. Let me do what I need to do. Bottle it and voila. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay, so who is it for? Why is it necessary? What makes it unique? Who's your competitors? What's your pricing? What do you want? What's your distribution strategy? You know, what's, you know, how are you going to promote it? Did you set aside a budget for Facebook ads and marketing? You know, what's your plan for, for you know what I mean? It's all the things that they, they just don't know what they don't know. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to fault them for that. That's why I have my business. Right. But the, but it's, it's, Nine times out of ten, they've missed a huge chunk of the of 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 what's necessary to scale. Mm-hmm. So my job is again to help them go back to basics, fill in those gaps, cross those T's and dot those I's, so that when you're ready, and you you know, so that we can prepare you to scale. Many of them are just not ready. They think, oh, I have a I have a you know this beautiful packaging. My logo is the best, and it's like it can be. 
But when you go to a buyer and when you present yourself for that next level of retail, the things that they're going to require you to have, you don't have. You don't have a brand deck. You don't even have a line sheet. You don't have some, a lot of them didn't have, don't have UPC codes. A lot of their, you know, some of their marketing on their social media are, are off. You know, a lot of them don't even know their sales. And so there's so much that I think so much opportunity for them to be market ready. It's just going to take some expertise. You cannot do it alone. And so a lot of them do try to do it alone. They end up burnt out and broke. Yeah, I hear that. What's your overall, mm-hmm. I guess, goal for Shift Beauty at this point? You know, you know, I, I, the overall goals is continue to grow. We're still young, but mighty. Um, And, you know, continuing to, to, to gain larger brands. I would love to be in a position where I am working with, you know, a major, you know, fund or financial institution that are able to set aside marketing dollars to help these brands scale. It is the hardest part because when you think about the marketing dollars, it is coming from a budget and a line item that just does not exist. You know, when you're talking about founder brands that are bootstrapping their business. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's an equitable play and an equitable opportunity there. Um, So the goal, you know, definitely would be that. The other side of that, too, is to, you know, create some technology that will help to, um, you know, provide to help some of these brand founders navigate the marketing process. And so I'm working on some technology, you know, uh, a system that would that would handle that. Uh, In addition to you know, really just, I'm, I'm also looking at opportunities to find ways that brands can be amplified. So it was like social shopping networks and things like that, that are sort of popping up and that are new, you know, tapping into a lot of the technology, the ways that um, brands can really get more exposure. So these are things that I want to do. And then in addition to that, I would love to have a content studio. I think it'd be great to have a place where, you know, brands can ship me products from around the world and recreate, we use influencers and great branding, great, great photography, great videography to create content that they can use uh, for their own marketing purposes. So in an affordable way. So there's a a ton of vision, a ton of plans, and uh, I know we'll get there. Yes, absolutely. Because I know a lot of people have these big plans, but once they start getting down to the dollars and what it's going to actually cost to produce the ideas that they have, it can get a little discouraging sometimes. It can get a discouraging, yeah. And that's why a lot of them are going after these funds. And I say, go after all the funds. Every cohort that you can find, every place that you can do, you know, that you can get the funding to support your business, do that. Um, because otherwise, um, it's going to be very challenging. I had a brand, you know, back in 2005, Chic Cosmetics, and I made a tremendous mistake. I had too many SKUs at, you know, at a time where I probably should have just started small and grow big. So I know the mistakes and I know the pitfalls because I've been there. So I'm just using those mistakes and that learning to help brands to, you know, to, to make better choices and to be successful. Right. And what way has networking played a role in your business? I love networking. I love meeting new people. That's one reason I have the podcast because I used to host networking events prior to COVID and then yeah. I connect with my people anymore. But I love mm-hmm. networking and I love meeting people. But how has networking played a role in your business growth? Yeah, networking is vital, you know, um, I would also go outside of my industry. So I would t- attend trade shows like Cosmoprof. I'd go up to Vegas and do, you know, attend those trade shows. I'd go to, you know, um, industry packaging, product packaging shows. And, yeah. you know, I would just, I would go wherever beauty was. And sometimes that's on the manufacturing side. Sometimes that's on the trade show side, you know, and then I'd go to industry events. You know, I'd go to anything local that required, 
that, that, you know, that allowed us to mix and mingle, you know, among our peers and beauty. But networking is really vital. I think that um, we have a different way of networking now because of the pandemic, but there, there are ways to do it. You need to utilize LinkedIn a lot more. LinkedIn is the new network platform, you know, um, and I spend, um, my goal is to spend less time on Instagram and spend my time, more time on LinkedIn. I see, because I'm, because of my business, I see a lot more churn and I see a lot more, um, I see just a lot more engagement there for the kind of work that I'm doing. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, networking is, is real, you know, do these virtual events, show up, you know, ask to be on them, you know, if it's necessary, you know, join some of these, you know, groups. There's a lot of subscription programs now and a lot of places, a lot of Facebook groups. So networking has taken on a virtual, you know, lens, but um, it's still very vital to do. Don't, don't think that you can't be as dynamic just because you're behind the screen. Um, people are doing it and doing it well and, and succeeding, you know, leveraging virtual networking as well. Yes. With everything that you have going on, like how are you balancing motherhood or are, are you not balancing it? Like, how's that going? You know, I don't know if I care about balancing it as much as I, I care about prioritizing it. And I prioritize it. Then that's also another reason why I changed my business the way that I did, because I didn't want to be on set 12, 14 hours a day anymore. I, I loved working in film and television. I, and I, you know, my, my, my background, my experience, uh, depth and breadth of of my work in film and television was enough for me. Like I didn't feel that I needed to be go on any, you know, any other level. I feel like I've, I did hit the ceiling. I came, I conquered, I did all that I needed to do. Yeah. But now motherhood, you know, called a different side of me and it was the most important side of me to show up and be present for my daughter. So this business also allows me to, you know, end at a certain time when I decide to end, if I'm ending at four o'clock, that's it, going to pick her up from school. And then we're going off to play in the park or, you know, going to dinner or coming home yeah. dancing. So it is a prior, it is about prioritizing that and, and knowing that she comes first and that what I'm doing um, is ultimately for her legacy. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, you know, and all the other things that matter to me, like self-care matters to me. So I prioritize that too in my life and make sure that I get those massages frequently, reflexology, facials, all yeah. the things. Like I know that it is just important to, you know, to, um, to, to have that, those areas of my life fully defined in a way that makes sense so that I can be the best uh, professional as well as mom that I can be. Absolutely. Do you still take clients or do makeup work as frequently? I do not take any new clients. Um, if you've never worked with me before, you, you're not going to work with me. I'm pretty much semi-retired. I mean, I never really made a big announcement about it. Mm -hmm. I do have a few clients that I, you know, that I am still currently with. Um, and it's just because, you know, that's just how, that's just how the cookie crumbles with them. You know, these are clients that um, I've been with for a long time and they don't require a lot from me. And I love to, you know, continue to working with them. So I'm like literally down to three that are consistent um, and I don't, you know, take on any more, I would say 90% of my business is beauty marketing. And the other 10% is the, these three last lovely clients who I, I love to work with and continue to want to work with me. I love that. Do you have any dope moments that stand out from your makeup journey, your career as a makeup artist? Like one thing that would just like blew your mind, like the opportunity was just like, I don't know. 
I would say, I mean, I never did her makeup, but I was in the room with her. Um, I was doing um, Lynn Whitfield and they were promoting Greenleaf at the time. And we um, had a big photo shoot to do for TV Guide magazine. So she brought up her team to Santa Barbara and unbeknownst to me, Oprah was also in the shoot because, you know, Oprah's, a, you know, it was the show was on own. And uh, of course they would have Oprah over there. Right. So I'm doing Lynn's makeup and Oprah walks into the room with her glam team and she's already glam, but, you know, she's there for the shoot. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in the room with the woman that I love, you know, next to my mom, like she's everything. Right. So that for me was just the idea that your, you know, your, your career is going to take you to places and in rooms, you know, beyond exceeding your expectations. If I weren't in corporate America, I don't know if that would have led me into a room with, with Oprah. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I know beauty did. And so Again, no, I didn't do her makeup, but I was in the room doing makeup and doing what I love. And so I had a photo with her, which is, you know, one of my favorite pictures. I'm, I take so many copies of it so that I don't ever lose it just in case <laughs> iCloud decides okay. that it wants to play games, you know, and, and then in that moment of taking a photo with her, you know, she was just, she realized, and I, and I didn't bother her, but she was leaving and she turned around because she saw me standing and I wanted to ask, but I didn't want to ask. And she turned, she's like, do you want to take a photo with me? And I was like, do I want to take a photo with you? You said it. Yeah. And, and then not only that, so we weren't faced the right way. She's like, no, turn this way so we can get the good light. I was like, oh, you are my kind of girl, you know? And it was, she was so gracious, so open, so loving, but her energy, she knew that I wanted it. She tapped into it. I mean, she's Oprah, right? She is, mm -hmm. she's got her finger on the pulse of people's spirit and heart. That's why she's able to do what she does and, um, and to be able to transform people the way that she does. So, you know, that was for me, like, I mean, I have other stories, but that would be the pinnacle for me. I love that. I loved green leaf. That was my show. I know yeah. for sure. Anytime that I go in the store and I see a cream of nature box, I think about Melissa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that has been a, a great, highlight from a brand partnership standpoint, Cream mm -hmm. of Nature for years, I've been working with them on brand campaigns. So actually being the makeup artist that created looks for the, for the boxes yeah. of the, of the colors and, of the, you know, all their products. So um, the two years ago, they reached out to me about being a face of their campaign. And I was like, oh, okay. So now I get to step in front of the camera with them, flew out to Atlanta and did their, um, you know, their, their campaign, which is, I was, which was amazing. It was called shine different. And I was like, Oh God, you know, that's so me because that's, I feel like that's what I do. And that's what I've done, you know, with over my career is to shine different. That's really the ingredient to my success is to be different, never following what everyone else is doing, carving out my own path. And so um, the packaging and the products are actually, you know, like starting to hit different markets and places. People have sent me pictures of me, you know, on billboards and in different places. And so it's been really cool to see that campaign work out. But Prima Nature has been an amazing partner of mine for years. I love that. I love, I love, <laughs> I can't wait till I get to that point. I love doing stuff like that, <laughs> taking pictures and all that. What yeah. are you working on your legacy to be when this is all said mm. and done? Wow. Well, this is all said and done. You know, like I said, uh, for me, it is, you know, at any given moment, I can jump 
on a plane and land on my yacht in the middle of the Mediterranean and sip champagne and watch my daughter run around. And, you know, because for me, the working this part is about freedom. It is about, you know, getting to a point where, you know, I don't, I no longer have to worry about the resources coming in that, that it's abundantly there and I'm able to do what it is that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then giving my daughter the option to do whatever she wants to do because money is no object because, you know, she can go to the best schools and have the best life and, you know, do all the things that matter uh, for her without worrying, without limitations. Nice. So that's for me, the, the, the goal. And it, there isn't a, a, a specific number on that. And, you know, and, but it, it is definitely the, the freedom that um, success, wealth and abundance comes with that, um, that matters. Uh, I love this. This has mm-hmm. been such an amazing conversation. I <laughs> <you> <laughs> <laughs> but before you do, I have to ask you the uh, friends and beauty rapid fire questions. So whatever comes to your mind first, just like spit it out. Okay. Okay. So the first one is, what are the top three keys to your success so far? Hmm. Persistence, discipline, and perseverance. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do you measure your success? Oh, gosh. I think I measure my success, you know, based on like every little moment that I feel that I've made a difference. And that could be something big or something small. That could be whether I'm, you know, touching a face or, you know, giving somebody advice, mm-hmm. you know, that, that those are, I always say success are micro moments that lead, you know, to, to, to bigger things. And so I identify, I identify with that a lot. I like that. What's the best advice you've ever received? Ooh. You know, I think I would go back to just Oprah, you know, listening to her wisdom, you know, um, about being, you know, six, what, what did she say? She said, uh, purpose is not static, it's dynamic. Mm. And for me, that really meant a lot when I heard her say that, because I'm always on a quest to, for better and for more. And, you know, we can all feel like, oh, this is my purpose, like in this moment, but it's always evolving because the next level of you and the next dimension of you or the next idea that you then decide to implement is also a part of your purpose. And so that for me, it was just a testament to keep going, you know, because there's no ceiling on your purpose because it's dynamic. I love that. What advice would you give to, I guess, a female, a Black-owned female beauty brand owner who is just ready to give up on their dreams of, you know, seeing their brand go global? I don't know. What advice would Mm -hmm. you give to those people who want to just give up? Yeah. You know, I, I would say don't give up, obviously. You know, that would be the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say is find out the why. Why is your brand, why, why are you stuck? Why are you stagnant? And that answer can't necessarily just come from you. You may need to reach out to someone who can help you think through those and navigate some of those issues and those, those moments. I think oftentimes we're stuck because we, you know, we're, we're, at, we're at capacity mentally, you know? And so I would say, ask, don't be afraid to ask 
you never know where that will lead. And every ask does not have a monetary number next to it. I give a lot of advice for free, sometimes too much, you know? And so you could bump up to someone like me, you know, who's willing to say, hey, you know what? Why don't you try this? And we'll never send you an invoice for it because that's self-gratification and knowing that they helped to give you that mental freedom in that moment, that aha, that epiphany that you needed to put that jolt back in you to go back in and and continue to work on your brand. So I would say, don't give up, ask for help and, you know, and believe in your product. Mm -hmm. No one can believe in it more than you. Your belief in it is what's going to carry you through, through the, through the rain and through the storm and through the sunshine, you know, entrepreneurship has lots of peaks and lots of valleys. You will be tested. Okay. (laughs) Getting tested every day. (laughs) Yeah, the test is real. You will be tested, but you know, you you there's there's a lot of people who have succeeded. There's also a lot of people who have failed. But in it all, there are a lot of lessons learned. And and so you just have to figure out where do you want to be? Do you want to be the one that succeeded? Do you one that gave up because you were unwilling to do something different? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. What's a resource that helps you out in your business that you can share with the friends and beauty community? Oh gosh. Hmm, Canva. <laughs> you know, Canva's yes, like number one. <laughs> I would say get get you some Canva in your life. Pay for that premium. It will it will change your you know your marketing game. It'll change your life. The other resource, get you a good photographer who mm. you who you can work with. Who can show, if you call them like, hey, I, I need to shoot something. You know, in a week. And they're there. You have a relationship with a good, with a per, with a professional who's going to capture your likeness, capture your image, capture your brand. You need that person in your life because we cannot deny we are in the age of social media. We're in the age where quality visuals and quality content, you know, that's just what it is. You, mm-hmm. you can't expect anything less. So for me, having a good photographer in my life, Jonathan Ajau, who's been with me for at least five or six years, um, you know, all those great photos that I post on social media, he took them. And so having a great content creator in your back pocket and on your team is, uh, is really valuable. Absolutely. I love that. I want you to fill in the blank. This is the last one. And just say, my name is blank. And the key to longevity and success is whatever you think it is. Oh, to longevity and success. Cool. Because you've been doing this for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my name is Melissa Hibbert. And the key to longevity and success is to be consistent, be consistent with who you are and never waver from from your calling. Love it. I love (laughs) the consistency because I've been consistent for 97 weeks with this podcast. Oh, good. I love it. I love it. Every time I release an episode, I'm like 98 weeks. I'm consistent. So That would be like one of the personal brand endeavors that I think over the next 90 days that I'm going to implement is a podcast. So that's definitely something that I'm working on. So you being on this with you and seeing how you're professionally handling it um, inspires me with, you know, my endeavor to launch my own podcast soon. I can't wait to listen. I love podcasts. (laughs) 
Thank you so well, much. I just may reach out to you for some tips on my own. So <laughs> let me know. I love this. But thank okay. you so much for doing this. Like, this is truly a treat for me. You were on, well, you've been on my list of people I wanted to interview, but specifically my 2022 list. I've been knocking them, knocking them off you on my 2022 list. So oh, good. Thank you so much for making this come true for me. It's my pleasure. I am happy to be here. And uh, thank you again for the invitation. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Friends in Beauty podcast. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Share this episode with at least one friend in beauty and subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts so that other Friends in Beauty can find this show. Plus, we'd love to hear your feedback. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Friends in Beauty, hashtag Friends in Beauty to join the conversation and join our Friends in Beauty Facebook community to stay connected. Talk to you soon.